probably been about as many messages preached on Luke 15, at least part of it, than any portion of the scriptures. Heard a lot of different renditions. That's not a good word. But anyway, sermons on the prodigal son. But that's not what my message is about this morning. Really, the whole chapter is one narrative that builds. And it's a response to one question or one accusation. Uh, verse 2. But anyway, let's, let's read the entire chapter, Luke chapter 15. All right. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it. When he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he cometh home, he calleth together his neighbors and his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. When she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. There wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, when he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto them, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time, thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I may make merry with my friends. He probably didn't have any. 
But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. I titled the message this morning, Heaven Rejoices in Man's Redemption. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. And Lord, I pray as we look under the, in your word today that you would encourage us and challenge us. Father, I pray that uh, we would see uh, your great love demonstrated to us uh, through uh, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in reaching men and women with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. Father, if there's any in our midst this morning who do not know the Lord as their Lord and Savior from sin, the Spirit of God would arrest their hearts today, bring conviction and repentance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In chapter 13, we saw the command for all men to repent. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. In chapter 14, we saw what true repentance is demonstrated for us in the parable of the Great Supper and the parable of the Tower and the parable of the King going to war. In chapter 15, we see God's love for all sinners demonstrated in the responses to that which was lost. This is, this is really one continuous parable that Jesus gave answering the murmuring of the Pharisees and the scribes. You notice in verse 2 it says, The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth them, and he spake this parable unto them. So he's, 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 he's addressing the, the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're murmuring that he received sinners and he ate with them. That wasn't something the scribes and Pharisees did. But it demonstrates for us, these, these three parables, which are really kind of one, demonstrate for us God's love for sinners. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So, I have three points and quite a few sub-points this morning. And, and they're very simple things. I like to keep things simple. So I'm a simple person. I, I like to think so anyway. First of all, all men without Christ are lost. All men without Christ are lost. Now, you have three, three different categories here, you might say. First of all, you have the self-righteous religionists. In verse 4, what man of you, having an hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Uh, verse 7, again, And I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. And then it's illustrated also in the elder son, verses 25 through 32, which I won't take time to read. But... But I would draw your attention, first of all, to verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness? Now, there's a song in our hymn book, and I like the song. I've sung the song as a special before. 
You know, there were 99 that safely lay in the shelter of the fold. But that's not what it says here. It doesn't say there was 99 safely laying in the shelter of the fold. Notice again verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? They're in the wilderness. And I would draw your attention also to verse 7. It says, I say unto you, again, he's addressing the Pharisees and the scribes, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sin of the repentant, repenteth, more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Now I kind of meditated and, and did a little study on that phrase on 99 just persons which need no repentance. Because the Pharisees and the scribes were not just persons that didn't need repentance. And that which, which need no, it means to have need of something to be in want of. In other words, so these are 99 just persons that are not in want of. In other words, they're not in want of repentance. They don't think they need it. These are self-righteous bigots. That's what they are. They're self-righteous religionists, we would call them. They, were, they, they, they think they are okay. We're okay. I mean, we're good people. They were not repentant sinners. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Sheffy. And, you know, when Sheffy goes to this old-fashioned camp meeting and there's farmers and all kinds of lower-class people there, and, you know, Sheffy gets saved and he goes home and he, and he announces the, the dinner table to his aunt and all everybody. His aunt's highly offended. And she says, we're not repentant sinners. Yeah, they were good Presbyterians. That's what these were. You know, these are the people who the Lord came unto and he received him not. In Acts chapter 13, you know, these were the people, of course, Paul's practice was when he'd go into a city, he'd first go into the synagogue and it, we have an example of this in Acts 13, verses 44 to 30, 46. And it says, The next day, Sabbath day, came all, almost the whole city to hear, together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing that you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. So, you know, Paul would always go into the synagogue first and give the gospel to the Jews, but then when, when more people, usually this is the way it happened, when, when multitudes gathered to hear the word of God, they became envious, and they'd refuse it. You know, like many today, they may not have assurance of eternal life, they have some form of Christianity, but they're not going to examine or question their beliefs by the Word of God. I had a man say to me years ago, 
I've been a Presbyterian all my life and I'm not going to change. But he lost. They're lost. Then there are, secondly, so there's a self-righteous religionist. And, of course, you know, this, this parable, you know, think about this. It, does, it isn't that Jesus doesn't care, that God doesn't care about him. That's the purpose of these parables. Is to show them they're lost. So you have these self-righteous religionists. Secondly, you have those like a lost sheep in verse 1, characterized here by sinners and publicans. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners were to hear him. And again in verse 4, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? Um, so... You know, these are people that desire to hear the Lord. It says the publicans and sinners drew near to hear him. They knew they had a need. They're like the seeds that fall on good ground. And the ground, that the, the ground receives, they're receptive of the word. And, and, they, and the seed takes root and it brings forth fruit. You know, I'm not a, I never had sheep on the farm. But I was reading uh, reading uh, uh, Henry Ar- uh, Harry Ironside's commentary, and he was telling a story about one time about uh, he was out west one time, to, and he was to have dinner with the, this uh, uh, sheep rancher, and and he gets there, and the the rancher comes in late for for supper, and he, he apologized and said to his wife, he said, uh, I want a cup of coffee and just something that I can take with me. There's a, there's a sheep that's lost. I can hear it. I gotta go find it. And Harry Ironside said, "Can I go with you?" And he said, "Sure." And he said, "We went out, out in the darkness, out into the wilderness." And he said, "The, the farmer went back." And he said, "Far off in the distance, he got a reply." That. See that sheep knew it was lost. You know, you know the Lord compares us to sheep. And I'm sorry, but sheep are dumb animals. You know, sometimes cows will get out of a fence, and sometimes they will find their way back in. But forget it, sheep never will. And when they get away from the rest of the flock, they just bat, bat, bat. They know they're lost. They know they're lost. They don't know how to get back. And there's with those like the lost sheep that are that draw near. They know they're lost, and they know they need help, and they need a savior. And then there are those like the coin. If you notice in verse eight, it says, "Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it." Yeah, you know, th- these are like people who they're lost and they're oblivious. I mean, the coin didn't know it was lost. 
It's an inanimate object. It doesn't have feelings and it doesn't think. And you know, it 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 was oblivious. Kind of reminds me of the younger son who didn't know what he had till he it was all gone. And he was destitute. You know, many young people grow up, they don't know what they had until they don't have it. They're like many people who have very little knowledge of life, of where they came from or where they're going, and yet don't seem to care. Don't want to think about it. I mean, they can come face to face with death. Family members die, and they're face to face with death, and yet they don't want to think about it. Yeah, just go on through life. Kind of oblivious to reality. They're living in a false world. But all men, whatever their condition, are lost without Christ. Secondly, I want you to notice here that all the Godhead, or what we call the Trinity, is involved in seeking the lost. Now, I've got four things here I want to mention. First of all, we are all gods by creation. If you notice in verse 8 again, it says, Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. Uh, though the coin was lost, it did not become the possession of someone else. It was still hers. It was just lost. In Acts 17, verses 24 to 28, Paul at Athens on Mars Hill, Acts 17, 24 says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth all life and breath and all things, hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell in all the face of the earth, hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. See, we are all the children of God by creation. God created us. And though a man may be lost, he may be perishing, he is, a, he is a, a man that's been created by God. He is God's by creation. And secondly, God the Father seeks His creation. His, he seeks mankind. If you note in verses uh, 20 through 24, uh, <clears throat> verse 20 through 24, it says, And he arose and came to his father, but when he... He was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. 
For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. You see, we see here a picture of the Heavenly Father who seeks His creation. No. Yes, the Father let Him go. We see here also the free-willed man at play. God lets you go your own way and do your own thing. He will not force you to follow Him, to obey Him. We also see here a father who yearned for his son every day. Think about it. He saw him when he was still a great way off. And he ran. You know, this is this is out of character or dignity for a father to do. And yet he ran. You know, this, this, this makes it very clear to us that he was looking for him every day. He, that, his, that son was constantly on his mind. You know, it was only one sheep that was lost. There was 99 that he left to find one. I mean, you have 99. What? You know, would you, would you risk leaving the 99 to go get one? Yes. It's, it's, not, it's not the Lord's will that any should perish. It was only one coin out of ten. See, God the Father seeks His creation. John 4, 23, and when Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman, in John 4, 23, He says, But the hour cometh now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. He's seeking, He's searching for, He's looking for. That's what it means to seek. The Father seeketh such to worship Him. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 9, Jeremiah said, Wherefore, O I yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. Ezekiel 20, 35, And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people, and there I will plead with you face to face. Ezekiel 20, uh, verse 36, Like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith the Lord God. See, God the Father seeks. His creation, His creature. He seeks us out. Adam didn't go looking for God. God went looking for Adam. Not only do you see the Father seeking His creation, but we see the Good Shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Notice again verse 4, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? In John chapter 10, verses 11 
through 15, John 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know, the fa- know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, a shepherd will risk his life for a sheep. David tells us how that when he went before Saul, he said that there was a, there was a lion and a bear, and, and they came to take a sheep out of the flock, and I took, him, I took the, bear, uh, the, the lion by his beard and smote him. Jesus is our good shepherd, and he gave his life for we sheep. But I want you to notice also the Spirit of God works through his churches in seeking his sheep. Notice verse 8. Says, either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. Now, of course, you know the, a, a, a parable is an earthly story, story with a spiritual meaning. And the church or churches are pictured as a chaste woman. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin and of course, in Ephesians five, he 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 uh, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. So a church is pictured as a woman, and this woman, she uh, lights a candle and she sweeps the house and she seeks diligently. The church is to be a light. In the world. In fact, it's spoken of as a candlestick in Revelations 2 and 3. Second Timothy 2.21 says, If we purge ourselves from these, we should be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet. That word meet means fit for the master's use. One commentator said, This is how the church, led by the Holy Spirit, will search for lost souls. First, they will put forth the light of God's word, then sweep and clean their own place, then carefully, then search carefully for the lost, unquote. You know, in John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8, Jesus told the disciples that he would send the, spirit, the comforter, I will send the comforter unto you. And when he has come, he will prove the world of sin of righteousness, and of judgment. So he give a, he's given his Holy Spirit to us. And the Spirit of God uses us. His churches, uh, he speaks through them uh, to 
bring conviction or to seek the lost souls. You know, Paul preached to King Agrippa of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And the Bible says that Felix trembled. In other words, he was under deep conviction. The Spirit of God does that. But it was through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, Peter, of course, is preaching at the day of Pentecost, says, Now when they heard this, in other words, what Peter said, they were pricked in their heart. They were convicted and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? In Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy saved us, by washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. See, the Holy Ghost of God is the one that draws. I like what Revelation 22, 16 and 17 says. I, Jesus, sent my angel to testify to you of these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright morning star and the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him hear us say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. You see, all the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, is involved in reaching lost people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And third, simply this. God, we can say again, the Godhead, the Trinity, desires all men to be saved. He desires all men to be saved. Think about it. In every example Jesus gives us here, there is great pains to reclaim the lost. The shepherd leaves the 99 in the wilderness, and goes out into the wilderness in the darkness seeking one lost sheep. The woman only lost one coin, but she lights a candle. She sweeps the house, and she seeks diligently, carefully, till she finds it. The father watching for his son every day yearning, and then pleading with the elder son. Notice verse 28, it says, And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. He begged with him. He pleaded with him. You see, to the Jews of Jesus' day, this was a new thing. This was a new thing. One commentator said this, Many rabbis of that time believed that God received the sinner who came to him the right way. But in the parable of the shepherd and the sheep, Jesus taught that God actively seeks out the lost. He does not grudgingly receive the lost. Instead, he searches after them. God finds the sinner more than the sinner does find God. William Barclay said, quote, A great Jewish scholar has admitted that this is one of the one absolutely new thing which Jesus taught men about God, that he actually searched for men, 
God desires all men to be saved. Jesus, the examples here Jesus gives, they, they go to great pains seeking the lost. The second thing, reason we say Jesus or God desires all men to be saved is the rejoicing in heaven. Notice verse 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Verse 10. Likewise I say unto you there is joy in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner that repenteth. Verse 20. And he rose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran on him, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight. No more worthy be called thy son. You know, it's almost just the father ignored him. He heard it, but he didn't need to hear it. He knew. You know, the Lord doesn't need to hear your prayer. He knows your heart. He knows your heart. He knows the moment you surrender your heart. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring feather the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. Yeah, we don't often think of God as rejoicing. But this passage tells us he does. And in what circumstances. Isaiah 62.5 says, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall God, so shall your God rejoice over you. Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. See, heaven rejoices when a lost person is found or is saved. You know, the word lost here in this passage really means perish. What it means. And all heaven rejoices. You know, it doesn't say necessarily that the angels rejoice, you know, the angels may, but it says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. I'm telling you, friends, God desires all men to be saved. Ezekiel 18.31 says, Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart, a new spirit, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Verse 32, For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. Ezekiel 33, 11, Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? Of course, 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, and some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not the author of death. The thief and the murderer 
It's a Satan himself. He's the father of it. Jesus told us that very plainly. God has no pleasure. God finds no pleasure in destroying the wicked. You know, the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation twenty-two seventeen, and the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Come. And he that heareth, let him that heareth say, Come. Let us the thirst come. Whosoever let him take of the water of life freely. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come. God's, it's God's desire. It brings rejoicing to the heart of God when men and women receive Christ as a Lord and Savior. When we, by repentance and faith, You know, sometimes, sometimes I think people think think themselves lost. The Pharisees and scribes were constantly thinking of ways to not believe. Spurgeon said this, quote, Some of you whom I now address have been thinking and thinking and thinking, till I fear you will think yourselves into perdition. May you by divine grace be turned from thinking to believing, or else your thoughts will become the undying worm of your torment. See, we need to simply take the Lord at his word. Take the Lord at his word. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. Become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Sometimes I'm afraid people think, well, will I make it? Am I good enough? Will the Lord really save me? What if I fall? I don't know if I feel like I'm saved. But thinking about it. Believe what the Lord has said. Isaiah 45, 17. But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Ye shall not be ashamed nor confounded. When you put your trust in the Lord, you'll not be ashamed and you'll not be confused. 1 Peter 2, 6. Wherefore is also contained in the scripture, Behold a lion, Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So we see here in these parables that all heaven rejoices in man's redemption, in man's salvation. God desires that all men be saved. God so loved the world. It, it clearly illustrates God's love. You know, His love allowed the rebellion and, and, and respected human will and, and you know, knowing that he make a foolish choice and let him allow go his course, yet it re, he yearned for his son every day. Have you responded to that love?
you have that assurance of life and life more abundantly. See, the Father really cares. God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, care and are searching and seeking you and I. Are you responding to that, searching, or have you responded? You have that assurance of life and life eternal.